positive leadership is when you're you're motivated to have an impact beyond yourself. It's bigger than self goals. And you're looking for ways to bring your team, your organization forward, making progress in a meaningful way, things that matter to others. This is Johanna Herbst and I welcome you to another episode of Reaching Your Goals. Reaching Your Goals is a career podcast where I sit down with truly inspiring individuals and we dig deep on leadership and career-related topics to give you the insights to get from motion into action and make things happen. That's basically why we are here. And in case you wonder, depending on the day, I either work as a certified executive and career coach or a management consultant and have an MBA from NYU Stern School of Business. My mission is to inspire you to reach your goals, lead with kindness and have some fun along the way. This week it's all about positive leadership and I have a fantastic guest for it. It's Craig Down. We will dig deep on what is actually positive leadership. How do we need to manage ourselves and how can we mobilize others? We will actually talk about a number of very actionable examples on how you can use positive leadership in your interaction with your team and others. So I think it's a very valuable conversation. Before we get there, let me share a few words about Craig. For over 25 years, he's been fascinated by the links between the science and practice of leadership excellence, so much so that he pursued his PhD in psychology and business. His personal mission is to bridge the gap between what science knows and what leaders do. Craig is passionate about teaching and coaching. Previously, he was a professor at Carleton University in Ottawa in Canada, where he was twice nominated for the Capital Educators Award. Today, he serves as an executive coach to leaders in the private, public and not-for-profit sectors while supporting EMBA and AMBA students at the Richard Ivey School of Business. Craig is a regular contributor to industry-leading publications, including Forbes, CEO Work, Psychology Today, Huffington Post, Thrive Global, The Financial Times, and The Financial Post. Craig is also the host of the Do Good to Lead Well podcast. Craig is based in Toronto, Canada. Before we jump in, let me ask you, have you already rated the show in Apple Podcasts and in Spotify? You can also leave a review in Apple Podcasts and I love reading those. A big thank you to anybody who has already left a review. I really love it. And now let's jump in. Craig, it's great to see you again. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, thanks. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. A wonderful invitation and a very kind bio. So I'm really excited about the conversation. Been looking forward to this for a while. Perfect. Same here. And to get things started, I would like to start with rapid fire questions. Short questions, short answers. Sounds good. I found out that you are from Newfoundland in Canada. What does that say about you? That I like to have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And you wear the hats of a coach, author, professor, speaker, to name just a few of your roles. Hands down, what's your favorite one? Wow. So I'm going to totally duck out of this one. All of them provide different types of engagement for me. The coaching on a one-on-one -on -one level and then the speaking and being in front of an audience, academic or otherwise, 
gives me the the joy of connecting with a larger group. So I'm not going to pick one. <laughs> it's like nobody wants to pick one child. That's right. Yeah, that's right. It's like picking your favorite child. <laughs> yes. And I also mentioned that you're a podcast host. Before doing this interview, I went running. I was listening to your last episodes. And the very last one is on vulnerability. Mm -hmm. What does vulnerability mean to you? I think vulnerability is, is being our authentic self, showing that we don't know it all and that we benefit from being able to connect with other people for their support and their insights. So that's vulnerability to me. And vulnerability is strength. Vulnerability is courage, not weakness. Yes. How would your friends and family describe you in one word? Oh, that's a great question. Fun, <laughs> listening, a zest for life, curious, creative. I would say those words would come to the top of the list for sure. And they have to say fun because you're from Newfoundland. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Why? Well, for me, I'm my own bias. I'm a certified positive psychology coach. As you said, I've dedicated my career to studying the science and practice of positive leadership. So I love looking for what's the upside in a particular situation? What's the possible gift in a conversation? And so our mindset is a choice. We get to choose what we focus on. And so whether or not we approach conversation like this as a threat or as an opportunity has a profound impact on how I'm going to engage with you, how you're going to engage with me. So I'm a huge fan of looking, looking for the good. Nice. The glass is half full for sure in your case. Absolutely. Yes, it's, it's half full. And it doesn't mean that we, and, and it's important to qualify because, and I was very happy that this came out around toxic positivity because you can be just so over-indexed on the positive and then you're ignoring the reality. So it doesn't mean that when we are optimistic, I love that you chose that word, or that you're looking for good or you're looking for positives or gifts It doesn't mean that you disconnect yourself from the reality of the situation. There are going to be tough yes. times. There are going to be some really challenging things that we, that we work through. I just had a CEO on my podcast yesterday talking about how, as she was building her, her business, her late husband passed away. And so, and that's profoundly, profoundly challenging and difficult. And then, so how do you, you know, that's, we're going to go through those kinds of things. So then, and she was a wonderful example of, okay, so now what do I need to do? Who do I need to connect with? How do I need to keep moving forward and honoring the legacy that we've created together? All beautiful things and also courageous choices. And Quickly going back to rapid fire questions, just a few more to get to know you a little bit better. Who is one of your role models? Wow. It's Marshall Goldsmith is one top rated executive coach in the world. Alan Mulally, who I had the privilege to collaborate on my latest book. I love Alan, the former CEO of Ford and the president of Boeing Commercial Airplanes and a big fan of Daniel Pink, Adam Grant. So they would be um, rapid fire names that I would that I would put out there it's all men my mom <laughs> I mean there's so many uh, Sally Helgeson is the number one girls. I, I was just kidding I yes just no kidding. no I was there's just so many yeah and what is what is the most important quality in a leader I would say awareness awareness of self awareness of others and I guess that will be linking back to our topic today 
two more questions for rapid fire questions. What is the best advice that you received either in your personal or in your professional life? It's probably to ask questions and mm. in my own ask more questions, ask for advice. I think that's, uh, that would be the best. A lot of times we get wrapped up in stating our opinions and asking questions is really key. And last one, what is one thing that people often get wrong about you? That I don't have a serious side. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I guess, endlessly positive so that there can be an assumption that um, I can't be serious and or, you know, having a, a more serious conversation is, is, is not on the table. So that's probably something or that I don't struggle with things because mm -hmm. I seem upbeat. So that's that I would say those two things. Interesting. And now we already learned bits and pieces about you. And I'm super curious to find out what led you to where you are today. Would you mind sharing the key milestones? No, not at all. I mean, when I was growing up, I was always fascinated by what makes people tick. So I was always curious. And friends of mine would come to me to talk about either their challenges with their friends, challenges with at home, challenges with their girlfriends, boyfriends, partners in school, in high school. So it just, it started there. And I just thought, wow, that's really interesting. And then when I moved to university and came across industrial organizational psychology, then it was like, okay, people have personalities, businesses have personalities, organizations have personalities. So you throw all them together. That must be really fascinating. And so then that inspired me to want to continue on in that, in that space. And so I've been fortunate that I was right, that I'm, as opposed to seeing it as draining and frustrating, I love the diversity that happens within human beings and human interaction. I find it really intriguing. And then you kind of like a detective want to solve what's going on. So that's just followed me throughout my career. And then when I left graduate school, right into consulting, I was the managing director of a consulting firm had the opportunity to write in the Ottawa Business Journal. So that was one of my first writing gigs, if you will, and had a chance to share my thoughts, which was a real turning point and got me hooked on that, on that side and have a chance to contribute and then just continue going, building from there. Nice. Just one thing that was crossing my mind, because you have a PhD in psychology. When people hear that, do they always ask you like this slightly lame question, Have you been analyzing me? Huh, yes. Or, uh, you know, do we need to find a black couch, leather couch, you know, to, uh, to, to sit on and, and things like that. And it is, it's a natural assumption. And I guess in some ways they are right because I'm just, I, I love people. I find people endlessly fascinating. I listen a lot to what people say and how they say it, the words that they use. And I'm naturally curious. So which, flows really nicely into my role as, as an executive coach and executive advisor. So, so yes, yes that's a, that's an ongoing uh, question. Are you, are you analyzing me or what have you learned about me? <laughs> Profile me. So maybe I will ask you by the end of our conversation as well. <laughs> that's right. Just yes, exactly. Just kidding. And we were already jumping a little bit ahead about positive leadership. What is actually positive leadership? So Positive leadership is when you're, you're motivated to have an impact beyond yourself. It's bigger than self goals. And you're looking for ways to bring 
your team, your organization forward, making progress in a meaningful way, things that matter to others. And I think positive leadership, it's about self. So that's where knowledge of self is really important. What are my values? What do I care about? What what legacy do I want to leave on the people in the world around me? And then once you have that really crystallized, it's also then around, so how do I mobilize the people around me to see what's important to them? And now through that exploratory process, now I craft, now we craft a really inspiring journey for the future. So uh, that to me is positive leadership. So I get the part having this self-awareness of knowing myself, like what is triggering me in sense of like, what is my purpose? What do I want to leave behind? What are my values? So that is the first step. Mm -hmm. And then you say as a second one, I need to mobilize my people and know what they want. So there's so much analyzing before I actually get to business. Absolutely. And that's, well, it's interesting, right? If you look at, there's lots of work around project management where they say people race into action. And they start doing things. They haven't really <laughs> determined, they haven't clarified. So what are we all going to do? Why are we doing it? Who's doing what? By when? You just We just race into it, into action. And then, of course, as you can probably guess, our results are suboptimal. There's conflict created because, well, we're not really sure. Like, I thought I was doing this. No, you thought you were doing this. Or there's duplication of effort. Each of us are doing similar things and, and there are certain tasks we've left out. So I love that as a metaphor because in, in these cases, it's important for us to really do that work before we embark together, before we start working together on something, because that's going to save a whole lot of time. Because if we're crystal clear on our why, we're crystal clear on who's doing it, by when, on what, well, now it's the, just this beautiful flow. And then we can also make more informed decisions because we've agreed on all these things up front as opposed to scurrying around and then maybe some challenges come up or maybe some important questions come in about, oh, should I do this or should I do that? Well, now, because we've clarified at the beginning, now it's, okay, I can I can take action. I understand what's required of me here. And I love this clarifying part in the beginning because like on some days, I also still work as a project manager. So this is really part of my daily work. Yes. And I've seen that happening again and again, that A, people jump into action. They just race there without really sitting down and asking a few why questions. And the second thing is they never take the time, especially say also on the leadership side, never take the time to understand why are people in this job? Because it's not just money that is driving people. I love that observation. And it's great that, it's, that it matches your own personal experience. Yes. And, I, and you're so right that you know, some people, yes, money is a motivator. It's a very small percentage. And then The vast majority of people want to have, again, want to understand why we're doing this. What impact am I going to have on the world, my community? Like, what is that all about? And as you say, if we haven't determined that, if we haven't sat down and asked some thought-provoking questions, given a space for people to provide their perspectives on this, well, then now everyone's going to have their own scorecards and people are going to make assumptions about what's most important or what they think should be done or why they think we're doing it which can necessarily cause conflict. So I think, again, that, and, and I love your, your experience, your example of, well, then people so often just race, 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 right? And that's who we yes. are. We have a bias for action. We don't have a bias for questions. Yet questions unlock insight. 
questions unlock direction. Questions unlock new pathways. And so taking that time may seem like a big sacrifice, a little bit more time up front, massive time savings in the future. And I have another observation. Like in the past, projects were done in the waterfall model and now is more like the agile approach with the sprints. So they heard a few times, oh, we don't need to have the planning here and we don't need to do those things because we are agile. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And and again, I think the clarity it's in and not sure, you know, and, and it may be same in, in your work as well, that I find lack of clarity, lack of alignment creates so many obstacles for us personally. And like we use the word values. If there's values misalignment, there's conflict within myself. If there's values misalignment with me and you, there's conflict between us. Yes. Or if we're unclear, there again, a lack of clarity about priorities or a lack of clarity about why we're doing something. Because if I think we're doing something for one reason, you think it's another, guess what? We're going to then prioritize different actions in the same situation. And if we're in similar roles, I might deal with one customer or stakeholder in one way and you're dealing with them in another way because we are mismatched on why. So I think, again, to me, My lived experience has shown me time and time again, lack of alignment creates a lot of challenges for us personally and collectively. So that means to turn it around and really apply the positive leadership. It sounds to me like before you get started, before you start raising, have the team sit together, understand the purpose of the project, like what is really behind it, and then get to know every team member. What are questions here that should be asked? Yeah, I think to me, a really powerful one that rarely gets asked is what does success look like mm. and, and for this project? And then what does success look like for you as a member of this project team? And what's important here, we don't have to necessarily, again, we don't have to have all opinions and all perspectives catered to, if you will, or integrated. It's just getting taking that initial time to get those differences of perspective on the table. And now we can start to collectively say, okay, so what do we need to do? What are the common threads here? What, how are we going to prioritize? And, and I love that. And now we're co-creating because there's lots of great research as well. And the conflict side that shows that people tend not to be frustrated or disengaged because their ideas aren't actioned. It's they don't feel they're heard, yes. <laughs> right? They haven't had an opportunity to participate or contribute. And so I think Taking some questions. What does success look like for you, for our team? How do you think we could go about this? What are, what are the steps that we need to take? All of those great questions to get alignment at the beginning, very important. And I also like the thing that you said about people being seen and heard, because it's not about then incorporating everybody's comment, because that is not possible, because everybody will come up with something different. I agree, absolutely. Because And, and I think... That's, once again, having the belief that we can action everybody's ideas and opinions, that's disconnected. As you talked about, well, what about time for the business and what about us collectively? Because each of us has a particular perspective, which is valuable, which is sacred, which is important. And all of those points of view need to be respected and heard. Then we collectively decide, okay, so where are we going to go here? And that's important. As a team, whenever you bring someone else into the fold, 
I may record a, po- a solo episode for a podcast. Now you're part of the conversation. You bring me in. And now, so there's, now there's a yes. new person in the mix. And now we play off of each other respectfully, right? And just go in different directions. So your vision for where this conversation would go may be different than mine. And that's now we're co-creating it, right? And that to yes. me is what's important and what's powerful is to take that time and create the space because otherwise, and you see it in the great resignation, quiet quitting, whatever term you want to put on it, that people just feel like, well, I'm not part of the conversation anymore. I'm not a part of this team anymore. And so I need to go somewhere else where I feel more a part of things. Just to go back, because you were explaining the definition of the positive leadership. So by giving the people that they are being heard, you are creating the positive emotions. And that is then the example of living positive leadership, right? For sure. And, and then that translates into positive outcomes. Because when people feel more a part of things, they've had an opportunity to share their perspectives on things. Well, then they naturally feel more emotionally connected, which then drives levels of engagement. And I think that's the important point. As well, sometimes in conversations, it's why I wanted to write my first book, Do Good to Lead Well, is that sometimes people and leaders think, oh, well, just create this positive environment, everyone's happy, and then, well, the business is, you know, it's nice that everyone's happy, the business is going to suffer, our organization is going to underperform. No, when you create positive environments with positive emotions, well, that drives positive performance. So it's a win-win-win. Positive leadership is not just the right thing to do, it's the right thing to do for your organization and its success. And you were mentioning initially also toxic positivity. What is the difference between positive leadership and toxic positivity? So I think toxic positivity is when everything, no matter what's going on, is yay, it's chocolate rivers and candy canes. That doesn't matter what is facing someone, you're just, well, this is great, and you know, we're... Our market is shrinking 50%. Isn't this fantastic, everyone? Like, that's, that is toxic positivity. Now, positive leadership is saying, we're facing some pretty heavy headwinds right now. Like, we've got a lot of disruption in our industry. Our customers are demanding more from us in less time. And there's a lot of competitors in our space. Now, I believe, that, and we need each other now more than ever before, And I believe we have the talents, the expertise, and the experience to be able to overcome this. And what it's going to require is us to lean into each other more, support each other more, bring our ideas to the table faster. And I'm relying on all of us to step up in that. And, and I want you to challenge me and to challenge each other. And let's share, give feedback about how we can create conditions so we can unlock our potential. To me, that's a positive leadership statement because what you're doing is acknowledging the challenging situation and then you're focusing on, okay, look at what we have within our control. Look at the resources that each of us has within ourselves and with the people around us. And now how can we figure out together how to solve this as opposed to look how wonderful everything is and it's great and or the con converse, toxic ne negativity, which is... I don't know how we're going to like look at all the between all the disruption and the competitors. There's nothing left, nothing left. Like we can't sell anything. There's no, we've tried everything. Like I'm, I'm just, I don't know about you team. I'm at my wits end. I can't. And, or another one being, well, how come we can't figure this out? Like I'm totally disappointed. I thought we had skilled experience. You keep telling me how good you are and you want to like, this is just unacceptable. You've got to figure this out. Like, 
I'm tired of having this. I'm ending this meeting right now until you figure it out. So goodbye. Again, you can see the opposite ends of, 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 of that spectrum. Out of curiosity, if in your team you have one, say only one person that is really playing on that negative spectrum. And I always had the impression that it takes one person to really create this negative energy. How should you handle that? Do you have any advice for that? For sure. What I would suggest, and, and I coach leaders around this, is invite, call them in to the office and say, hey, Greg, love to have a conversation. Just wanted to sit down. So I've noticed, you know, in meetings when someone raises a particular idea or topic, you immediately say, well, that'll never work. Or that's, you know, so just, just wanted to check in with you on that. And then you learn. And, and you're not judging them, right? You're not saying, well, I'm tired of this. And, and now you're berating them for these behaviors. You want to understand. You're saying, so just tell me more. Like, you know, I've noticed that. And then you don't have to even frame it as a question. Just there's the power of the pause. Another so yes. many of us miss a beautiful opportunity to make a statement and then just be quiet. And people are can be uncomfortable with that and want to fill that space. So then see where they go with it. And then keep asking questions, attempting to unlock either identifying what's at the root cause for them around that and or look at expanding from an empathy perspective. Again, awareness. Well, how do you think Craig reacted to that when you were, no, right away? Well, I noticed Craig you know, step back or stop participating in the meeting. Yes, well, what do you think happened? Well, I don't care. It shouldn't be my job to deal with Craig, right? It's up to Craig. And that's, well, how do you think that's going to affect the team in the future? And, and you keep, and this is the key, is that there was a great article in Harvard Business Review about persuading the unpersuadable. I may have paraphrased the, the title. And essentially, it's the best way to reach people who are challenging to reach is not to tell them and point out gaps in their thinking, is to be curious and, and engage them in conversation so they recognize the gaps in their own perspectives. <laughs> and that's going to come through questions, not telling someone or admonishing them for how they're showing up. Even if we feel it inside, it's that, well, once again, have to be, it's essential for us to be respectful and curious and really understand what's going on. So what I'm also hearing is giving people a chance to understand their perspective because we never know. We never know what's happening on their home front and there are so many things, so many variables. So judging them just can be too fast. For sure. Well, and to build on that, as an example, they may say, well, you know what? I'm just tired of Craig. Every idea Craig brings to the meeting is, is just okay, is greenlit. I brought two meetings last month and, and, and everyone shot mine down and they said no. So how come I'm in trouble now? Now that's an important reflection question as a leader. Oh, do I, have I created bias for Craig's ideas, yes. right? Have I, do I provide more of a forum for Craig than I do for other members of the team? Is it because of this person's negativity that I shut down their ideas? Not necessarily because They're ineffective or they're not relevant. I just don't want to hear from that person, period. Exactly. So now I'm just, I'm, and now this is great insight again. And if I just went in and said, well, that's unacceptable and don't ever do that again. And I'm tired of your negativity. I'm missing this. So once yes. again, that's where I think the awareness is so important. And the curiosity is so important because you never know what's going on just in our exchange. And I appreciate your follow-up questions, right? That now 
how many different examples have we both created together around, oh, that may be what's responsible for that negative person. Before, you were also mentioning your books, because I know you wrote two books. It's Do Good to Lead Well, and your recent book is A Time to Lead. Yes, that's right. And those books, do they build on each other? Yeah, it's a great, it's almost like the question, are you analyzing me when people, the two books, they're like, do they build on each other? And it's a funny, they're almost like overlapping Venn diagrams is how I would put it. And so the first book, Do Good to Lead Well, is really around leading others, empathy, creating meaning and purpose. And and I would say 75% leading others, 25% leading self. A time to lead is very much focused on leading self. And then there's elements of that that'll enable us to, to lead others. So I kind of joke around sometimes that maybe I reverse the order, start with self-leadership, and then you go with other leadership, if you will, and they're companion pieces. In German, we say every good thing comes in three. So what will be, <laughs> you know, the third book to complete the trilogy? Yeah, there you go. Lots of different topics. I'm fascinated by authentic leadership. It's a messy space. I think so that's that's definitely one thing and and values based leadership empathy compassion i think they are they are really key and awareness i think awareness is one of those elements that 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 is vitally important and and getting comfortable with uncertainty so there's some order of combination of those things i can see exploring more in in my next book there's definitely a third one in there <laughs> Some, or in the air somewhere I, I bet <laughs> and now you mentioned again the self-awareness because we were now jumping around we started with mobilizing the team because I was really curious there and for your self-leadership what is really important there and how can people get to know themselves a little bit better I mean there are several ways to be able to elevate our, our self-awareness number one is you can ask ask people for feedback how do you experience me what do you think my superpowers what are the things i'm i'm really talented in and what what are my areas for development if you were to pick one thing for me to focus on what would that be and i think that can be incredibly powerful and you can also do some wonderful there are so many great assessments like strengths assessments that are available strengths finder from gallup can give you insight in terms of your core your signature strengths the via I referenced that in the book. It's free and it's the Values in Action Institute and it's been administered for over it's 12 million people and it gives you the wow. rank order of your character strengths. And it's fascinating because then you can start to see, okay, these are elements, these are pieces. And so I think part the ultimate path to self-awareness is when we do some internal work, reflection work. And I think those assessments are really valuable. And then it's also external because who I think I am, how I actually show up, it can be quite different. And that's, there was a, a great book called Insight by Dr. Tasha Yurich. And she talks about how self-awareness is really when our internal view of self is reflected, matched by external expression of self. So we're aware of both of those things. So doing some internal and external work great way to uh to be more aligned with who we are and then for clients that i have they'll start to think about okay how to what extent do i express these strengths in my role right mm -hmm. and that's a really cool question to ask and in some cases when they think about how engaged they are in their work versus how well it overlaps with their strengths expression they can find 
When they're more engaged, they're using more of their strengths. When they're less engaged, they're using less of their strengths. And then you could also think about really great questions like, now how could I bring more of this strength to the work that I do? These are all terrific questions. And you can go to your supervisor and say, hey, this is my strengths profile. Like I, you know, I have a love of learning or leadership is my top stop strength. How can I take on more responsibility? And, you know, what projects are coming up where I might be able to lead? I'd love to do that. And now we can even help coach our own bosses, supervisors around, well, here's what energizes me, what excites me. That made me also think again about, say, your team or people you work with, because if you know what they enjoy doing, you can also swap tasks. Or if you have a team, you can delegate certain things. Because just because one person doesn't enjoy analyzing in an Excel file, another person loves it. We shouldn't make assumption there. Brilliant insight, right? Use it as, and this is something I share with my clients, use it as a team building exercise. Get everyone to fill out a strengths finder and share your results with each other. And then now it can be exactly as you say, now it's a wonderful opportunity to be able to go, oh, okay, well, you're more, you love the administrative organizing, like SIP details. And maybe I hate it. So now it's, and I've been doing more of that. So when it comes to the project and I like, and it's one of my strengths, one of the things that I, you know, one of my values, it's creativity and ideation and all of that. Yes. So then, and you hate that. So then it's like, hey, how about we do each other a favor? Thanks for doing all the detail stuff, which is super important. And that really advances the project. And I can do the ideation side. And then we can learn from each other as well, right? You've got insights for me around how I can build more capability, especially when it's going to create a challenge for me and vice versa. And so that's, again, what I love is now rather than being stuck doing things that aren't really tapping into our potential, really not maximizing our engagement now by working together more effectively through the lens of self-awareness. Well, now we can contribute in more effective ways with larger impacts. And the best part, the cherry for the Sunday is, is we feel really good about it. You were just mentioning the cherry of the Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> that was already summarizing so well, I think, what is really important about self-leadership. What would be one last advice for our audience on how they can incorporate it more even today? I would say chief questioning officer. Make yourself ask so many questions. There's so much to be learned in the world. Ask questions of yourself. Ask questions of other people. And that to me is everything because when we ask questions, we have the opportunity to gain new insight, new knowledge that we haven't had before. When we speak, we're just basically saying what we already know. And in a world where things are moving so, so rapidly and also what's missing in our world today is trust. Trust is the data around trust very, very low. And trust is everything in a personal and professional relationship. I have to trust you coming on the podcast. You have to trust me bringing me into your podcast that I'm going to represent and, and contribute to your mission, vision for this podcast, which is wonderful. So we've done a trust exchange. And so what, what better way to exhibit, to build trust is to ask questions. 
I love that. Ask questions and actually try and listen. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Without the listening part, it's it's not a checkbox. Awesome. I asked a question. That's it now. Now I can tell them why they're wrong. You're so right. Is that and listen and get comfortable being uncomfortable. If it's something that you don't like, take some time. Like pause. Don't react right away. Sit with it. Okay. How come I'm reacting? What's making this so challenging for me? Again, so we can learn what our triggers are and and appreciate different points of view. Again, going back to the negative colleague example we shared earlier, maybe there are lessons for us in that if we take a moment and take a little bit of time to be curious. So it's, you know, how can we do our best to make changes, the changes we want to see in our world? Oh, I love that. I think that was a wonderful last advice. Be the change that you want to see in the world. Great leadership starts with great self-leadership. Yes. And so then I, I lead by example, and it just takes one. There's lots of psychological research that shows that just having one person step up, well, that can inspire others to follow our lead. I'm actually getting goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> I love it because what I also really enjoy about that one is that it puts the responsibility back on us because it's so easy to be a victim and saying like, oh, I can this way. You can ask questions and you can be the change. Yeah, I love your point. We, it is. It's the easy way to go, well, it's someone else's fault or it's a situation's fault and I don't have any role to play. And, I, and the best, best leaders ask themselves that tough question. What did I say? What did I do or not do that's contributed to this situation, to contributed to this conversation? And I need to start, you know, clean up your own backyard first before you go out and start advising others on cleaning up theirs. And because otherwise, then we're missing, we can make the same mistakes, the same missteps over and over and over again, because I haven't learned from these experiences. And so it's vitally important for me to ask myself the tough questions first before and I provide tough criticism to others. Yes. And that's why I, I see it all the time. And it is, it's the secret to, to our success. Take control over your own action and own them. Yes. And I think those were a lot of like really, really great insights on self-leadership, on how to get to know yourself, managing a team. So I only have a few questions left for you. The first one is what's coming up next for you? What's coming up next? I keep expanding the podcast. So that's, that's certainly been enjoyable. Getting more as the world opens up more, it's interesting getting more live in-person speaking engagements. Uh, so that's, that's, that's been a lot of fun and, um, you know, continuing to, uh, to facilitate the CEO mastermind forums that, that, that I'm a part of. So that's, that's been quite enjoyable and, and spreading the words, you know, bringing guests on and, and joining others like this for fabulous conversation, thoroughly Thank enjoyed you. it. So I would say, keep, keep, keep doing, I'm keeping doing what I've been doing. And fortunately my, my strengths are aligned in, 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 in my daily work. So it sounds like you have a busy schedule, but a good one, inspiring one. And two last questions. Who else should I have on this show? Wow. Sally Helgeson, I'll mention she's the world's number one leadership expert, women's leadership expert. She's awesome. And speaking of, I mean, just beautifully in line with what we talked about today, her latest book is called rising together. Oh, nice. Yeah. And how we can bridge divides. I think she is just extraordinary she's exceptional and i would love to ask you for the introduction with sally afterwards 
Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And then my very last one, for people who feel inspired, they can listen to Do Good, To Lead Well. How else can they stay in touch with you? My website, craigdowden.com. I'm on LinkedIn. So just tell tell me, send me a note and let me know that you found out about me through here. And uh, I happily accept. Love building a community that's interested in positive leadership. I'm on Twitter at Craig Dowden. So all of those have a YouTube channel now that recently launched. So you can kind of all over the place. <laughs> so there's no escaping. That's right. Yeah, that's right. All over, everywhere. I thank you so much for joining me today. That was insightful. That was fun. And I learned a lot. Thank you. No, same here. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for the invitation. Love what you're doing. And, and your questions were terrific and clearly had a lot of uh, we're listening very very well and so i appreciate that always love conversation and your questions were, were were spot on that's positive leadership if you want to talk about it please tag me at delicate and reaching your goals podcast and if i can be of any help with my coaching hat on please send me a message at johanna.herbst at delicate.com you will also find the address in the show notes and if you have not yet subscribed to the show please do so. It's only one click. This way, you will get the next episode in your inbox when it drops on Tuesday. With that, we are done for today. We are one step closer to reaching your goals. Talk to you guys next week. Bye.